This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Curzon Film Podcast. Uh, You're joining us from a galaxy far, far away, but not too far back in time. Yes, we're talking about Gareth Edwards' Rogue One, a Star Wars story. The first spin-off, prequel, sequel, standalone thing that has been added to the Star Wars universe since our galactic overlords Disney took it over. Uh, joining me this week is Ursi Kalensi. Hello, hello. And Ursi, I think, might be a Star Wars fan. Oh, I don't know. I went to see it twice already and, yeah, loved it. And Yeah, so it's like at the time of recording, it's been out for a day. And you've seen it twice. Yep. So, yeah, she, she likes Star Wars. <laughs> Safe to say, yeah. Yep. We've got a lot of ground to cover. This is definitely one of the biggest films of the year. And one of the big things about it is where it stands in the Star Wars community. Uh, or, not community, continuity. Although, in the Star Wars community is a larger debate as well. Yep, I would um, say so. Uh, so we've got the original Star Wars or Star Wars A New Hope or mm-hmm. just A New Hope and then Empire Strikes Back and then Return of the Jedi and then we've got the three films that we don't really talk about. Nope, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then we've got this film which plants itself firmly in between the two. Absolutely. And so this um, gave us a interesting question of we've got a film here that is set in between two films that pre-existed in the franchise and so this week's question is if you could take or if you could create a film in a film series and drop it in between two films of that pre-existing series like Rogue One has dropped itself in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope Mm -hmm. what series would it be and what would your film be? Right First of all, thank you so much for such a specific question because yep. it took me a while to get through it. But now I think I think you'll like my answer, Jake, because I chose Indiana Jones franchise. Yes. And uh, there is a moment in the movie that shall not be mentioned where Indiana Jones talks to Mutt about his time uh, in the band of Pancho Villa in 1916. So he was raiding the Mexico-U.S. border 
with a known Mexican revolutionary. So you take that little story, you plant it in The Last Crusade and the movie that we'll not mention. Excellent. Yeah, I would love to see that. I, I was really thinking of Indiana Jones as well Excellent. for this. I, um, so uh, Last Crusade is my favourite film. And so naturally, uh, I have an instinct to want to see more Indiana Jones. Yep. Uh, uh, I did perhaps get that wish <laughs> in 2008 but yeah I would I would like to see that I think in, it was banded about for a bit potentially Chris Pratt as a Indiana Jones I would watch that character um, like he's definitely established himself as that you look at him in Jurassic World yeah 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 uh, they made it was I think it was maybe Chris Pratt's audition for Indiana yeah. Jones um, I could see it happening although but I, I was actually thinking of this as my answer so we could have had a very boring opening question so I have I did change it um, but my position for Indiana Jones was to not even split put it in between two films but actually put it in between two cuts from the, uh, the opening sequence of Last Crusade where it's River Phoenix mm-hmm. and then he puts the um, the chap puts the hat on River Phoenix and then he looks up it's Harrison Ford and I'd like uh, to see the, like those events in between River the hat Fi- and yeah. the nice because like, yeah, that's yeah. so much time yeah. to go from um, so that's where I or, or where I'd cut it from but yeah, I think that would be really cool. What uh, would you? What, so, is this classic indie? Is this a religious artifact? Or no, this is this is indie going. You know what? I'm going to give archaeology a little bit of a break. Okay. I'm going to join the revolution for Mexican independence, and uh, I'm going to be raiding like U.S. military outposts in 1916. So this is this is the Rogue One. This, this is, is the ba- war yeah, film. Exactly. Like we've had the adventure. Now it's but into now the war. it's like yeah. Now it's gone a little bit political. This is gritty. Yeah. Um, so we don't need we don't want Spielberg for gritty, do we? No, uh, no. Who, who who was directing Indiana uh, Jones and the the raid of the American military? Oh my god. Uh, okay. I know. I'm not sure how gritty we're going to make it. So I mean, can you? Um, if we're going to go into the realm of complete surrealism, yep. get Quentin Tarantino. Oh, get a Quentin Tarantino Indiana Jones make like blood splatter everywhere. Just break completely from tradition. Yeah, I could see that. I was thinking uh, Gareth Evans from The Raid. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> oh, that will be action packed. Yeah. You would not even have time to breathe during that movie. Yeah. Well, um, like when you look at Raiders, you don't really need the dialogue. You can just watch Raiders with the sound off, and you yeah. really know what's going on. Yeah. And I think Gar- Gareth Evans. I think we know from The Raid. You don't really need to know what's no, going on. No, absolutely not. You can just put your TV on mute and just go. Yes, go. Yeah. go. Um, the my, when my dad watched The Raid, he didn't have subtitles on. But he just assumed that was how it was meant to be watched. And he said it was oh, great. that's interesting. Yeah, he really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, so I, I look forward to the Gareth Evans, Quentin Tarantino mashup Indiana Jones, Jones film coming yep. 2022, let's say. Uh, well, yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, just in time for Chris Pratt to finish off his contract for it. And we're already good. Excellent. Um, for I've gone a bit different for this one. <laughs> so I was kind of looking at films that... Not obvious franchise films like tentpole films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was looking at Everybody Wants Some okay. and Dazed and Confused. Ah. Uh, so I thought Dazed and Confused is the end of the school year, mm-hmm. and Everybody Wants Some is the start of the school year. Yeah. And so Richard Linklater's effectively got these two bookend films, um, but I want to see the summer holiday in the middle. Okay, so you would want a Richard Linklater wet American hot summer. Yeah, yeah like Richard Linklater, Goonies kind of thing. Like just American summer adventure, Stand yeah. By Me, 
but a bit older, that kind of feel. Okay. Would he be directing it as well? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that he's got Richard Linklater's, the way that he plays with time is so interesting in his films that boyhood can span such a long amount of time, but feel so. Uh, so light and refreshing as yeah. you're watching it and everybody wants some which spans such a short amount of time or before it's midnight about a week isn't it well only a weekend yeah and then before midnight and before sunrise and sunset such a very very short amount of time and yet the depth in there and the content that's covered feels so big and long yeah um so i think a summer holiday this like fixed point which in america i think is about three months yeah so you can yeah. yeah. So you can have your um your protagonist kind of going to Galveston, Texas and just spending an entire three months just on the beach talking, having yeah. a couple of beers and just really and looking forward to uh college as well. Yeah. And that whole thing of like uh, that you have in that summer holiday before college of all these friends eventually they disperse at different times yeah. depending on where their colleges start and they disperse around the country. I feel like that could happen. That could yeah. be a thing. Yeah. You'd separate your group of friends, the people that are going to the East Coast and the people that are going to the West Coast, the people that are staying in Texas. You know that's going to be yeah. happening in Texas. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be good. Yeah. Uh, so talking about a gang of friends may, that may or may not be dispersing. Yeah. Let's get back to Rogue One. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's. Um, so Richard Linkletter's Rogue One. Yeah? No? Richard, mm, mm. A lot of talking would happen, <laughs> I would say. Not a lot of things would happen. I, I'd still like to see that. I think Richard Linkletter's A Star Wars Story. You can just about imagine the Imperial Destroyer having on speakers like My Sharona just yeah. playing up. It's like, party time! Yeah. Um, well, they got away with that kind of thing in Star Trek Beyond. Yes, so why not in Star yeah. Wars, yeah. Um, right, so this is, we're looking at Rogue One, and this is the story of how the Death Star plans that we have stumbled upon at the mm -hmm. start of the very first Star Wars, how they came into the hands of the rebels. Yeah. What did we make of this film, Ursi? I, uh, seeing as I've seen it twice, I've had a lot of time to actually kind of really think about it. I think it's a very solid, very passionate, uh, very heartfelt movie in addition to a Star Wars franchise that some people might think is kind of is on reaching an overload now, considering that the actual franchise is seven episodes in, the eighth one's coming next year, so we will be getting a Star Wars film pretty much every year now, and considering the Han Solo standalone is going to come soon as well. It's, an e it's a franchise that's easily can reach a little bit of a maximum and then other and people start getting a little bit of a fatigue, but Rogue One proves that you can have a standalone film that really is fantastic. It's got a great cast, a wonderful story, and it can add something new. It can add a breath of fresh air into um, this franchise. I'm reminded there of last last year's Sherlock BBC Christmas special in mm -hmm. which they said, no, it's a standalone thing. It's This episode is set in Victorian London and we're just like, it's just going to be that. It's just going to be set in Victorian London. But they couldn't resist. No. And they had to tie it into what's happening in the main series. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've really, really enjoyed about Rogue One is that it's contained. It is, it's yep. maintained its own story from beginning to end. It doesn't feel this constant need to loop you in to to make you part of this cinematic universe mm -hmm. it really benefits from that constraint and the little the little hints that they give you from the 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 rest of the storyline 
they don't they don't they're not a massive part of the actual story and there were a couple of like little drops from a new hope for example that we won't give away but i mean you do see a couple of cameos but they feel like they belong there mm. if if they were not there then you wouldn't have the solid rogue one yeah and they it's not that they're there to just constantly just give you a wink and a nudge and say yeah. hey it's actually, it's part of the world and so it makes sense that these characters would be there yeah and with the story that's being told in rogue one certain characters being on the sidelines yeah that it doesn't feel shoehorned i yeah. don't think so let the 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 plot begins with Jin erso who is felicity jones's character mm. uh being abandoned more well left behind yeah. really for her own for her own safety mm. uh by her parents just a great great opening shot i don't know how because obviously you kind of This isn't really giving anything away, but while you're standing there, you have the lovely title in a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then you're like, oh, my God, are the titles going to come up? I don't know. This is a standalone. Mm. And then you're like, and then your Gareth Evans in, in a lovely twist just brings you completely into the action immediately. He's like, no, we're not going to we're not going to waste time with the titles. Just here we go. This is your story. And then you have a lovely setting in um i don't remember the name of the planet uh, there are a lot of planets there are a lot in of rogue planets. one to remember um i think that's fair to forget one uh yeah so we we find jinna so as a child they're farming here yeah they've left uh civilization really and she's left abandoned there because ben mendelson's krennic mm-hmm. who works um for the empire comes to get Galen because he is a weapons designer. Yeah, yeah, like um an architect engineer, mm. I would guess, yeah. Yeah. And so he he leaves with Ben Mendelsohn. Uh the the mother sadly does not make mm-hmm. that journey and we are left with Jenna so stranded on the planet and who is left there and then eventually rescued by Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Forest Whitaker saw Guerrero, yeah. and that's really where it starts because you get that, and then it is Rogue One up on screen. I got chills the minute I saw that title. I don't know about you when you yeah. were watching it, but I was like, "Oh yes, yeah. it started!" Oh yeah. my god! And it was it was night. It was in the nice yellow as yeah. well, yeah. Because all the marketing and posters have had the title in this kind of silvery blue, mm-hmm. and I was like, I, I, "I want the yellow. I yeah. still want the yellow." Yeah, of course, you yeah. still yeah. And it like the just the the graphic design, the titling of it is it just looks so perfect. It looks kind of new as well. Yeah. It's like we're not gonna go with the classic Star Wars episode mm. whichever. We're gonna go a little bit we're gonna change a little bit, but still keep the yellow. So yeah. fans like us can go, it's still there, but it's kind of new. Ha yeah. And it didn't crucially it didn't say a Star Wars story. Yes. Oh, I thought it just says Rogue One. Yeah. And it's establishing further that idea that this is its own vehicle. This mm-hmm. is its own thing. Um and from there we go on this very wibbly wobbly journey to eventually mm-hmm. get the plans for the Death Star. Yep. And to be honest, after one viewing, I couldn't tell you the exact journey that we go on. Okay. Uh no, it's fine because I mean Edwards takes a lot of time to introduce his characters because um we we have to follow this band of rebels 
to get the Death Stars, and he needs to introduce all of them. Otherwise, you know, they have very different um, storylines. So you are introduced initially to Bodhi, played by Riz Ahmed, who is an Imperial pilot, who defected with a message from Galen Erso to the rebellion. Well, specifically to Saw Guerrera, who is part of the rebellion. So you get to see him reaching Guerrera. Then you have Felicity Jones, uh, J- Jones's Jin Erso. Now grown up. Now grown up, 15 years later, um, being taken by the rebels and in a way recruited against her will, really, mm. um, because she's very much apolitical. She's isolationist, doesn't doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And uh, they recruit her to go and uh, talk to Saw because Saw had been had been raising her for 15 years, but then she hadn't seen him again. She hadn't. Yeah. They had a falling out. So there's a lot, a lot of ground yeah, to cover. Yeah, I mean, the first, I don't know, half an hour, 40 minutes is very exposition heavy. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of planet hopping. There's, I mean, that, that is great in some sense because you get the things that we do like about Star Wars, these busy, bustling streets where you get to yeah. see wonderful alien creations. And that's what the planet hopping is really great for. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was slightly hard to keep up with what's happening where. Yeah. yeah. And like it felt like a scene took place on a planet and it was for 30 seconds. And then we were gone and then we were arriving on another planet. Yeah. I have to say the first 30 minutes of that movie are maybe, in my opinion, were a little bit weak because I know that I know that it's incredibly difficult. I mean, Rogue One is a two hour runtime and you have a lot of ground to cover before you actually get to the meat mm. of uh, the film. But there was one introduction that I really enjoyed, and that did take a little bit of time. That did take about a minute or two, but that was the introduction of Cassian Andor, uh, played by Diego Luna. Uh, and it was his introduction as a rebel spy. Yep. And uh, he first gets wind of the defector, of the pilot defecting with um, the message from Galen and the fact that they the Empire is building the Death Star and in order for them to escape because they're spotted by stormtroopers he needs uh, he needs to kill his informant mm. and it's one of those things that when I saw that I was like oh okay this is not these are not heroes in the Star Wars space opera sense they are rebels they every they everything that they do is is violent or you know yeah. they're in the, they're in the middle of a revolution against an evil empire so they have to kind of they have to make sacrifices and they have to make choices that do not paint them entirely as good guys yeah and this is something that i think rogue one does better than any star wars film before it is the conflict amongst the parties mm. so if you like it has very much been rebels are good Empire is bad. Yeah. It's very black and white. Yeah. Here, there is clear conflict in between each side. Really, before, like, there's almost more conflict between them. There's so much, uh, well, you've got characters like Diego Luna's character, who is introduced by killing a member of his own team. Yep. And then who is tasked with a secret mission among his own team who's given some set of orders whilst the rest of the team are given a different set of orders mm-hmm. and this also goes on in the empire as well where yeah. ben mendelssohn has certain aspirations 
and other characters want to take his achievements or what he sees as achievements from him. Yeah. And so that muddy water of war and um, the goals that people have amongst it, I think, is really clear in here. And uh, it feels very much more like a war film. Yeah, absolutely. The I love the I love the if you look at movies like The Guns of Navarone or uh even the uh Dirty Dozen. Uh if you look at this, you always have a band of misfits really uh going on undercover missions and they are tasked to bringing something in or to stopping something. They have a clear goal. And this you see that with you see that with Rogue One. It is it is a band of um people that come from very different backgrounds, have different specialties as well, and come together and make a really great kind of ensemble cast of very, very um varied actors as well. Mm. I mean, you've got Felicity Jones, which we have seen in um, things like The Theory of Everything and Soon a Monster Calls. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Diego Luna, who is a Mexican actor and a darling of indie cinema of his of his country. And then you have Maz Mikkelsen. Yeah. You have Forrest uh, Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Donnie uh, Yen. Yeah, it's a prop. It's like international heavyweights. Yeah. Um, from lots of different levels of cinema yeah. as well. Yeah, it's it's a real eclectic mix of characters there and. Ben Mendelsohn, who this is a such a Ben Mendelsohn role. So much. My for my favorite Ben Mendelsohn performance is um, in the Place Beyond the Pines, where okay. he's he's so oily and grimy, <laughs> and he just doesn't look like he's had a wash in about ten years. Um, but and he's so he's so waspish as well, mm-hmm. and I think we we both agree that he's one of the real highlights of this film. Oh, absolutely. Whenever he comes on screen, you don't know whether to cheer or cower away a little bit because he does. Uh, I, I read an interview uh, that he did. I think it was with The Guardian where um, he was speaking about his character, who is director uh, Krennic. And he said that the twist, I don't know if you noticed, but the twist that he put into the to his character was that this was a man that did not come from the same background as all other Imperial officers. Because, you know, in, in other Star Wars films, they have a very crisp, very English accent, mm. all of them. It's almost f- faultless. But he kept a little bit of his Australian accent inside. So automatically you're like, okay, you're not like all the other guys. And then he imbued his character with a kind of a man who is so ambitious because he came from nothing. A man who is so ambitious will go through anything to kind of achieve uh, a, a, a high role within the empire, mm. and it sh- it shows so much. I mean, he chews the scenery in everything he's in in all, in all the scenes that he's in. You're like, please, can I have more Mendelssohn in this? <laughs> yeah, um, Mendelssohn is terrific in this, and um, he really stands his ground against. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Some characters that have a touch more legacy than director Krennic, uh, but we'll probably touch on that a bit more in our spoiler section. But imagine if you are listening to the show, there's a good chance you've seen Rogue One already because <laughs> I think everyone's trying to get to it on that first day. And so director Krennic is our is our baddie. He's the guy that's trying to get the Death Star finished, get it built so it can, uh, well, so it can start wielding damage. Mm. And that damage... Uh, it is presented relatively early on. We see the power of the yeah. Death Star, um, and it is unleashed on the on it on Jeddah, yep. the, the in this this temple city, uh, in a phenomenally crafted explosion. Absolutely, yeah. That's the first thing that you noticed as well. Uh, is that you know in um, when the when you first see a planet explosion, which is Alderaan in A New Hope. I mean, obviously, they had technological limitations, mm. uh, but it's very it's very simple. You, there's you don't have that extent of destruction. And then for the because it's because the um, they they only aim for the for Jeddah for Jeddah city. Mm. They don't aim for the entire planet. You see how much damage this thing can do, even with a limited target. Yeah. And it's fa- it's beautifully done in a tragic way, obviously, because this is an explosion. Yeah, and I think when you look back on the original Star Wars films, there's a lot of destruction. Yeah. But that destruction isn't very intimate. Mm-hmm. It's uh, this is like there are entire planets full of people being destroyed, and yet arguably the destruction in Rogue One, which doesn't see the Death Star by any means at its full power, feels bigger. Yeah. Uh, the explosion at Jeddah uh, and another one later on in the film, you really feel the destruction at a ground level, at a personal yes. level. Yeah. Um, and I think it was ju- it's just rendered beautifully. The whole film is stunning. Absolutely. It's one of the, cin- the cinematography of this. Uh, compared, if, you com- if you were to compare this uh, to maybe Force Awakens bef- uh, before it last year, this feels like it has a lot more texture to it because it it dwells on so many scenes uh so the opening shot in iceland it's it's beautiful the colors are fantastic because you have that black volcanic beach and it's then superimposed on very green very life um very green grass mm. and it's it's fantastic, and then obviously in the third act, I think oh, the cinema just goes yeah. everywhere. Well, it's, uh, you've seen the posters and trailer, like the the beach, mm. which is such a simple idea to put Star Wars on a beach. Yeah, I know. I, and it's such a tran- It's like a Hawaiian beach. It's so tranquil. Where was it? The Maldives. Yeah. They shot there. Yeah. yeah, and it's like in our heads that kind of beach is so lovely. And so to just throw a war in the middle of that, it just yeah, a it, war next to baby yeah, blue yeah, sea. Yeah. Um, and that's a th- thing that runs throughout this film is so much in Star Wars we're used to seeing things in the dark 
and this film is very light and it it felt weird it felt wrong to be able to see so much yeah and the whole film it looks really lovely but something that's missing from it and I don't know if I'm glad that it's missing but there's no wipes there's no and that is such a Star Wars yes, thing yes indeed um, now that you yeah uh, I think that's probably also Gareth Edwards trying to because wipes Wipes, you can keep them in the Star Wars, in your star, in your actual franchise. Mm. But if you're going to do a standalone movie, then you can risk eliminating some tropes yeah. of the act, uh, of, of the original. So you can you can forsake the wipes, but then you also have the the opening shot that is in a farm with a child being abandoned by its parents. So you know you you kind of replace one trope with another and you try and mix it up a little bit and make it your own, yeah. really. And there's a, there's a really lovely balance between those uh, kind of pristine tripod shots that we know of Star Wars where you've got miniatures and everything is perfectly coordinated. Yeah. Um, and then you've got mobile tracking shots in, that have got a relatively shallow focus mm-hmm. that felt like something we hadn't quite seen before it felt very now style of filmmaking in that because of the way that we have access to mobile cameras now we can really get involved in things and so for instance the final battle on the beaches um it's cliche to say that you feel part of the action but you do you do you do yeah because of um because edwards has done the handheld camera during an action sequence uh, for Godzilla, his mm. previous feature film, and you do feel a massive part of it. And at one point, he even, I don't know if you noticed, but he goes, point of view of the camera is, is like it's on top of an X-Wing fighter. And you go with it. Mm. And it's fantastic because I hadn't seen that before, not in that scale. Yeah. And he does it really, really well. And I'm hoping that maybe going forward, Rogue One will be able to influence the next Star yeah. Wars episodes as well. There's just this ongoing contrast in the visuals of kind of very grand staging contrasted with that street level Mm -hmm. uh, mobility that really blends together nicely. And talking of visuals, Darth Vader's house. Who would not want to live in a place that has a lava waterfall? I'm sorry. Like, this is prime real estate right there. Yeah. Uh, In terms of, like, that's not something I ever felt like I wanted to see. Yeah. I never thought I'd get MTV Cribs does Vader. Uh, <laughs> but Vader's house is so Vader's house. Yeah. Like it's it looks like to me like it looked like a it was placed on a dam of lava and he was powering the electricity of his house using basically using molten rock and fire yeah it just makes sense was, doesn't it I was constant whenever I saw it the second time I was thinking how great would it be to have Sauron be his neighbour <laughs> like you can just about picture them being such friends it's like you like lava too in your house yay um, so that, uh, that's a little bit of Vader and that, it is a little bit of Vader that you get in this film um, but we will touch on more in the spoiler section uh, was there anything that you uh, want to bring up for any listeners before they've gone to watch this film just to uh, to let them know why you should watch Star Wars Rogue One? Why? Oh, my God. For a Star Wars fan, I think there is just, just the fact that it is the Rebels getting the Death Star plans and essentially kickstarting a new hope. You should just go see it. It's a story that kind of always begged to be told, uh, especially since it's always hinted at. Mm-hmm. 
but if you do not like Star Wars, say I don't know why, but say you do not, and you want you fa- you want to see a winter blockbuster before you get into all the Oscar-nominated ones, I would say that the greatest reason to go see it is if you like any kind of movie that is either a war film or has a band of misfits just joining in together yeah, I mean. for a greater good. Go and see that because you will you will love Alan Tudyk's K2SO. You will love Felicity Jones kind of underdog uh, finally joining in the fight. And if anything, you should go see it for Donnie Yen as well because uh, his character, Chirut, he's, um, he's the equivalent of a Zatoichi. He's, he's a blind monk that is essentially powered by the Force mm. but not, not really a Jedi. And his action sequences are fantastic. So if even if you like only martial arts in life and martial arts movies, you can go see Rogue One. There's, it's it's there's got something there. for you. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, right, so there it is. Star Wars Rogue One or just Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yeah. Uh, do go and check that out. Uh, stick around for the spoiler section uh, for any third act revelations, which there are many. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will going through those in just a bit. But that is your spoiler warning from now. And let's get stuck right in. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things. There, I mean, there's so many things. The third act packs a punch of yeah. epic proportions. So what do you want to start okay. with? Okay. So like the things that I've written down in that I would that I really, really liked or I think are big the biggest talking points. I think maybe the biggest talking point is CGI cushing. Yes. Let's let's go right into that. When I saw the back of the head, mm-hmm. I was like Okay, are they just going to not show him? Mm-hmm. So we can see the back of the head. Yep, and his reflection like, on the yeah. glass. And I thought, and the reflection's kind of blurred. And you think, okay, I get what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's just a little character beat that we see him, but he won't play a bigger part because we know Ben Mendelsohn is the real yeah. uh, baddie guy. Um, and then when he turns around, I it felt weird. Very weird. Eventually, I was fine with it. Mm-hmm. But the first few scenes, first few minutes, to me, it felt weird. Yeah, I, the fr- my first viewing of it, the in- through its entirety of the film, I was kind of not okay with it. Mm. Because I kept thinking to myself, this is CGI Peter Cushing, this is CGI Peter Cushing. It, it just kept running into my head every time I saw him. It's like, that's not real. It's not real. Mm. So it was very difficult for me to let go of him as computer animated. The second time around, however, I actually let go because I was expecting it. I let go and I was like, this is Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah. You haven't seen him since A New Hope. And just enjoy. Revel, Revel in the fact that he is back. And all of a sudden, I let go. I let go of my kind of fixations on his... The kind mouth. of strange rendering of his mouth. Dead eyes. Yeah, exactly. And I was, uh, and I focused on his voice. I don't know how they did that. I don't know how they did his voice. I don't know if it was previous recordings or somebody who can do mm. an, un- an uncanny Peter Cushing. But it finally felt like he was actually a part of this film. And at one point, essentially, when... Um, near the end, when he's, um, when he's going to give the order 
to blow up Scarif, you actually do feel chills because you know there's people down there. You know that even his um, his subordinate, Ben Mendelssohn's uh, director, is down there, Krennic. But you, you just gave that order in the chillest, coldest way possible, which reminded me of his order to destroy Alderaan. I was like, okay, here we go. I remember who you are and why I hated you in the yeah. first place. Yeah. Yeah, I I am looking forward to seeing it for a second time because I look a lot of the time with this and with Force Awakens the first time around I'm just thinking oh it's that and it's that yeah. and it's that thing and we're here and I know them yeah. and I know him and he's new but he's old uh, <laughs> and um, and I'm just constantly thinking about what's ha- like who and where we are rather than the story that's being told yeah. and so I think the second time around as I said uh, earlier in the show that uh, I had a bit of trouble with the first 40 minutes but I'm hoping second time around it'll become a bit clearer as to yeah. why people are in the places they are and what they're doing. Once the exposition kind of when you're once you're familiar with it, it is it is it is so kind of fluid. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. And I'm one thing that I'm gonna be that I'm gonna mention that I was really happy with. Okay, fine. You have CGI Peter Cushing. You have Grand Moff Tarkin there. That's great. Thank God they did not bring in the Emperor. Because I was like, you do not want to drown in cameos right now. Yeah, yeah. You really don't. You need to have a very, like we said, contain your film as much as possible, yep. which they did, thankfully. Yeah, they got those. They got the little nostalgia beats in just the right amount of time. Um, Ten seconds of R two and C three PO. Yep, just right. Ooh, I had a problem with that, by the way. Yeah. Well, they're meant to be on the ship where Leia is, isn't? Aren't they? Well, they could still potentially because they're on the. That's on the rebel base. Yeah, in Yavin. So yeah. I'm hoping that, yeah. you know, because I was that like, makes sense, cause wait, where are you? You're meant to be on that fight, C-3PO. Yeah. Um, well, and mentioning Leia, Leia gets the last line of the film. She does. And it's such a callback to A New Hope as well. She's great because she only gets 10 seconds because Carrie Fisher rendered in CG. I was like, they spent all their efforts on Peter Cushing's rendering. And I thought that Carrie Fisher was good. But if she had been on screen for a prolonged amount of time, yeah. I would, like you look a bit too pristine, Leia. Yeah, for me, the Leia worked fine. Yeah, because uh, she didn't have that much screen time for yeah. me to look at her and go, "Your, your eyes look weird. Uh, <laughs> your limb, voice, and face don't quite match up. Your skin's too shiny." Yeah, um, but they, I think they played that card just right. Just right. Um, particularly with the, the, and the line is cheesy, uh, and it does tie in things very neatly on a nice bow. But I, I like that. It's oh, fine. come on. I think I think when you have a story like this, tying everything in a neat little bow is great. But I mean, what? how about the scene that preceded Leia? Oh, what? Combat Vader? Oh, my God. The fangirl inside of me, I think, fainted for like 10 seconds during that thing. I was just... It wasn't even up to... It wasn't even up to Vader. It was... Okay, so... Shall we shall we start spoiling the end in Scarif Beach? It's it's all fair game. It's all fair game. So, as you probably know, our motley crew of rebels is doomed because yeah, Peter Cushing gives the order to destroy it, but but they get a chance to send the Death Star plans obviously up to the rebels, which is great, and they put the they put the information in a little disc, but however. Uh, Darth Vader and his group are boarding the ship, are boarding the rebel ship. And it's such a fantastic... I mean, you mentioned the raid earlier in this podcast. This was close quarters, uh, even like even to the extent of Snowpiercer, actually, mm. where 
the action starts in point A and you need to get to point B, but in that entire kind of corridor, you have problems. Mm. And Darth Vader comes in and what did you think of the entrance? Oh, it's lovely. And because you can, you can just hear, before you see it, you just hear the... Yeah. And uh, then you and you hear the the lightsaber. You just hear the sound of it being unsheathed. Yeah. And just pitch black, and then this red line. Oh. And then Michael Giacchino's chorus kind of mm. s- soundtrack just over it, and then the panic. The sh- these extras, by the way, don't know who they were, <laughs> but they were actually panicked. I don't know how, but I was scared for them half the time. Oh, I'd be scared. It's terrifying. Like Vader at this point. It's the first time we've kind of seen him foot like fully fit like he's, yeah. he's really he can move oh god he yeah. looks dangerous like, he's actually killing them it's this is not this is not you know your your a new hope uh, uh kind of kills this is this is brutal mm. this is people screaming for their lives trying to get those plans as far back from him as possible but he keeps catching up to them yeah like an unstoppable wave of just rage yep it's beautiful yeah, um, and that that's that's the case for the film. Uh, it is, it's very uh, it's very intimate violence at points. Yeah. I, they they really they ground the emotion and they ground the the violence and explosions and to the point that each each death of our pivotal characters is really felt. Yes, I think um, Bar saw Guerrero. Because uh, mm. he doesn't get as much screen time as all of our other band. In the final act, when people meet their demise, I felt each one of them. Yeah, uh, I really, I thought that Donnie Yen's character, Chirut and Base, uh, both of their deaths are they were very emotional because they both all of a sudden discover that the Force can help them reach a kind of spiritual immortality so they die in peace uh, even after Jeddah City their home city had been destroyed mm. and I thought that Jin Erso and Cassian Andor Felicity Jones and Diego Luna's characters just on the beach there was something something extremely romantic yeah like in, 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 in the proper sense of the word about those deaths because it's it's tragic and yet very tender at the same time and very um they're martyrs yeah. effectively and uh it's like Riz Ahmed as well yes um like everyone has the nice that again it's a cliche that everyone does their one like everyone has a big important thing that they need to do yeah. in the final act for everyone else to do their important thing to win the day and so it's like Riz Ahmed gets he has a plan that he needs to execute and then he does that plan and then he gets blown up. Yeah. And then someone else sees that explosion and then they know that they need to do a thing and they have to get through all of these blasters, but they just walk through it seamlessly. Um, and in that sense, it's got a Magnificent Seven feel it to does, it. It does, yeah, absolutely. Very good point, yeah. Um, and everyone does have their particular set of skills. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, I I liked that. I didn't. I thought they might pull a cop out, and some and Felicity Jones might survive. Yeah. I was, or Diego Luna because they their relationship felt like they had a really nice chemistry between them. They did. Yeah. Um, and 
I was really pleasantly surprised. It's awful. I was really <laughs> pleasantly surprised that everyone died. I know. So such good news, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so good. No, but I agree with you because Disney, the Disney Corporation, I love you, by the way, Disney, but the Disney Corporation... Praise Disney. <laughs> praise Disney. Uh, can be seen as, you know, trying to squeeze in as many films as they can out of any franchise mm. that they're that they're getting their hands on but here they so they show i mean i'm not saying that all disney executives agreed but they showed tremendous amount of restraint to say this is your film this is rogue one we have made it for you star wars fans and for whoever else wants to see a great little sci-fi film uh this this winter and that's it that's all you're getting yeah and also the best drop of a film name in the film this year. Oh, yes. <laughs> Riz Ahmed as well. I, I just want to say that Bodhi, his character, for me, was the best thing in that movie. Him and Ben Mendelsohn, every single time they were on screen, my inner my inner fan was cheering, like yeah. pom-poms and everything, because they were so good. Yeah, Riz Ahmed is having a massive moment uh, right now. He is blowing up in two senses of the word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I think we might have to wrap up there. We could go on for another 45 minutes yeah. quite easily. Yeah. Uh, there's so much to talk about in Rogue One. Uh, and I'm sure you and whoever you go and see it with will have a humongous amount to talk about as well. So do go and do that. Um, but also check out Curzon Home Cinema. Yes. Um, unfortunately, Star Wars isn't on there just yet. Um, but there is a neat collection uh, for the European Film Awards which I was actually at last week in uh, Wroclaw, Poland. And there is a collection of films that are all nominated for awards, including Gianfranco Rossi's Fire at Sea, uh, which is uh, the film that won Best Documentary at the awards. And we actually, if you go back in time on this very podcast, you can find our special episode on Fire at Sea, in which Sam, uh, one of our regular hosts, interviewed the director of that film, so go check out Fire at Sea and the whole European Film Awards collection on Curzon Home Cinema. Um, and also thank you to CSR, as usual, for letting us use their studio. Thank you. Uh, right, so thanks a lot for joining us, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.